The following is a presentation of Broadway Church in Vancouver, British Columbia. For additional media, visit broadwaychurch.com. Well, good morning, everyone. That was pretty tough. Can we do that again? Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good to see you guys. Welcome. I see a lot of friendly, loving faces out there. Um, Most of you I recognize, but for those of you who do not know me, my name is Chris, and I'm one of the pastors here on staff. I'm actually part of the discipleship department. I help people take the next step in their faith, uh, whether that's through Alpha or uh, joining a small group, whatever it may be, through baptism. That's kind of my role around here, so you'll see me running around doing a bunch of different things. But today, it is my utmost pleasure to be with you, beautiful people. Uh, And we're going through this summer the Jesus Creed. And uh, if you just showed up today, we have the Jesus Creed, a little uh, unshameful plug. Hit up our bookstore and grab the Jesus Creed there. Uh, It's a wonderful read. I've been going through it myself. And uh, today, I'm excited to be going through uh, the society of the Jesus Creed. And we'll get into that in just a moment. But can we pray before we start? Is that okay? Why don't you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. God, we quiet our hearts right now. And we ask you to show us a glimpse of your love. Would you speak to our hearts? Would you speak to our minds that we may see you in a new way today? Would you challenge our assumptions and stretch our minds to better understand your mission to the earth? to perpetuate your kingdom values and principles. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Please feel free to shout out an amen or a testify uh, or a come on to me while I'm, I'm talking. It always encourages me. So if you like what you hear, shout it out, okay? Um, welcome to everyone at our Port Coquitlam campus too that will be seeing this as well. Um, so today, or last week, we had Brother Ross in the house, and uh, he shared with us stories of the Jesus Creed, if you quite remember that. And he challenged us at the very end for us to love well. How have you been doing with that this week? Love well. And when we love well, what happens? Our world begins to be transformed by this love. Isn't that amazing? And that it would give us life. As we love others and as we love God, especially others as he was speaking last week, it actually brings us more life. We love our neighbors and it gives us life. I want to quickly share the Jesus Creed with you today one more time. Uh, You may have heard it when Pastor Mick was speaking two weeks ago, but you've probably heard this familiar passage of scripture, uh, two, two passages. Hear, O Israel... The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your, come on, strength, right? I'm looking pretty strong today, aren't I? The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. Isn't that a great way to start off today? into remembering the Jesus Creed. Today we're going to be talking about the society of the Jesus Creed. Those of us make up the society. We're going to talk a bit about that. And I have a few blanks for you here. If you grab your outline, 
Uh, I didn't want to handcuff you with too many blanks, but you can have a bit of space there to scrawl some notes. Um, number one is that we are a society of transformation. We're going to get right into it. We're a society of transformation. I don't know about you guys, but I have a terrible time of setting goals sometimes. Have you ever had a New Year's resolution? Anyone? Yeah, come on, don't lie. I know you have. We all have, right? If you've ever set one, you also know how easy it is to break one, right? I mean, maybe you're a really strong person. Maybe your goals really get you going. Uh, but anyone who's started with a gym pass knows that it's so easy to give up that gym pass on January the 4th, right? Well, the same thing isn't true about Jesus. When he sets a goal, he wanted to see the kingdom of God revealed to as many people as possible. And through the Jesus Creed, he sets that goal for us. Having good goals means we know where we're going. And Jesus himself knew exactly where he was taking us, didn't he? Are we, we're pretty quiet today. Come on. Jesus knew where he was taking us. Yeah, come on. I see an amen there. Hanky? You got a hanky? No questions right now. Jesus knew exactly where he was going. He, he was going to fulfill his mission and ministry on the earth, a ministry that he eventually left to each one of us. He left to his disciples and to those who followed him to fulfill. And Jesus' favorite expression for his mission on the earth was summed up by the statement, kingdom of God. Kingdom of God. When we talk about the good news of the kingdom, what is the kingdom? Maybe we can go on the board today. What are some, some characteristics of the kingdom? Feel free to shout some out. What are some characteristics of the kingdom of God? Love. Come on. Peace. Peace is good, yeah. Peace. What else? Forgiveness, that's a tough one, yeah. Grace, yeah. Kindness, acceptance. Acceptance. What if we were to contrast this list? What are some of the features or characteristics of today's society? I know this one will be easy for us, right? Okay. Hatred. hatred. Yeah, hatred. Okay. We're not going to name any names today, right? So money. Yeah. Division. Okay. So um, low self-esteem. Anything else? Woo. We've got so many. One more. Put a hand up, tell me. Greed, okay, greed. Isn't it funny how easy it is for us to create this list? <laughs> and this list is a bit harder to get out of us, isn't it? Well, when we talk about the kingdom, do we sometimes think of heaven? I think we sometimes think of heaven or eternity or life after death. Or is the kingdom heaven on earth? 
Is it a perfect world or is it paradise? There are many different views of what the kingdom of God is. But Jesus sums up his ministry and speaks of the kingdom of God in Matthew chapter 4, 23. Write that down. Matthew 4, 23. Jesus went, let me just pull it up here. Jesus went throughout the Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among them. The substance of his mission was to proclaim the good news of the kingdom. And it's clear that the kingdom was a priority for Jesus. But what does that mean? For the purposes of our study this week, I'm actually going to defer to Scott McKnight's thumbnail definition of the kingdom. He says, the kingdom is the society in which the Jesus creed transforms life. Okay, can I say it one more time? The kingdom of God is the society, okay, of us in which the Jesus creed transforms life. The kingdom of God isn't just about a solitary journey of a small group of Christians trying to get closer to God on their own, okay? It's not about a group of people running around on the earth knowing that they are the only ones who are getting it right, that they have the key to their relationship of God as if they were the only ones. Okay, it's not about that. Jesus' mission was actually to create a large group of people who would then begin to perpetuate his mission, and he did this by asking them to live out the Jesus Creed, to love God and to love others. If we live out this Jesus Creed, not only will we be transformed from the inside out, we'll actually begin to shift and transform the society around us. How do we break hatred? With love? Right? Come on. Are you seeing it? How do we break up greed and with, with generosity? Right? That's a kingdom principle. How do we break low self-esteem by knowing our image in Christ? How do we break division by being unified in the body? Jesus' mission on earth is that we would be a society that transformed the earth by pushing kingdom values into today's society. The kingdom mentality isn't necessarily just about the future plans. We'll get there. It's about a nearness and a proximity to God. We are called to be a society of transformation. A group of people so transformed by Jesus and his love that we cannot help but to share it. Does anyone here, I know I've shared this in Alpha before, but does anyone here have a favorite restaurant? Huh? Come on. I know I do, okay? One of my favorite restaurants is Chipotle. Has anyone eaten there? Mexican food? So good, okay. Well, the characteristic of having a favorite restaurant is that you want to kind of keep it to yourself, right? Like, you don't want people to know that your restaurant, that restaurant is the best, because if you do let people know, they may not have a table for you when you get there, right? But that's really not what it's about. The kingdom of God is about sharing what we have, because it's so great. It's like a favorite restaurant, but you tell everyone about it, because there's always enough tables for everyone, and the best meal is found there. 
We don't, light, we don't hide our light under a bushel, no, right? The Christian life isn't meant to be lived uh, in, in captivity. It's meant to be lived in the now, publicly. The kingdom is meant to be lived out in our daily lives just as Jesus himself lived out the kingdom and he toiled for it during his time on this earth. And the kingdom of God is a society where the Jesus Creed transforms life and that kingdom has arrived in the name of Jesus. You might be thinking, okay, Chris, when does the transformation begin in my life? It begins when we turn to Jesus. You know this. When we give our hearts, we give our minds to him, we give our strength to him as well in our souls. The transformation actually continues as we follow him day by day. And this transformation is actually sustained by us fostering relationships with others who have also committed to this same mission, the Jesus Creed. The Apostle Paul gives us instructions for Christian living in Ephesians chapter 4, 17 to 24. Ephesians 4, 17 to 24. Let me just get there quickly. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the, life, the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught, with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is, is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And as we throw off our old selves, as we walk in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, as Paul mentions, we are transformed into something new. And in order to live out the Jesus Creed, to walk in transformation, we're actually called to, devo to devote our whole selves to God. Heart, soul, mind, and strength to him. It doesn't just happen overnight. It actually becomes a habitual lifestyle. I don't know about you, but I brushed my teeth this morning. Okay? <laughs> I hope you did too. But you know that when you don't brush your teeth, your teeth feel fuzzy. Is that right? You've all had that feeling. You know, you just, maybe the ones here today who haven't brushed their teeth, just rub your tongue up against your teeth. <laughs> They're fuzzy, okay? <laughs> Make sure you go and brush your teeth after this. But as we live a life of devotion to Christ, it's as if when we don't live that devotion, it's a bit fuzzy. We realize and recognize that something's missing. I forgot to brush my teeth today. I forgot to live out the Jesus Creed today. We want to get it to the point where our lives are transformed by Christ and it actually moves us to recognize a different way of living day in and day out. All right. <laughs> During Jesus' time, a respectable lifestyle for a Jewish person was all about adhering to the Torah. 
But Jesus actually uh, challenged this Torah-style living and replaced it for what we call a Jesus lifestyle. In Matthew 11, 28 and 29, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, right? And my burden is light. See, the Jesus lifestyle has everything to do with this yoke. And maybe if you miss breakfast, you're like, I love yokes, okay? As the Jewish people lived out this Torah-style lifestyle, with its heavy and burdensome yoke, Jesus' announcement of a lighter yoke, a new way of living, was certainly welcomed by those who heard it and who followed him. And while I was preparing this talk, I actually thought to myself, okay, Chris, what kind of yoke am I under right now? It's a good question to ask yourself at, at points in your life. What kind of yoke am I currently under? Am I under a heavy, burdensome yoke focused on the tenets of the law? Okay, an adherence to the law? And doing things to bring out my own righteousness? Or am I under a Jesus lifestyle kind of yoke, a restful and easy yoke where Jesus actually does all of the heavy lifting I encourage you to ask yourself that question today. What kind of yoke do you find yourself under today? Once we address our own personal transformation story, I know it sounds like a a weight loss regimen or something, our own transformational story, but it's real. God's power in our lives brings transformation from our old selves into something completely new. We have to talk about how we can sustain that transformation. And that's by living in community with one another. Do you know that we're a family in this place today? Is that right? Come on. When we live out the Jesus Creed together, it actually has an exponential nature to it. Imagine a group of people who are dedicated to look after each other's physical health or spiritual development or even financial needs. Ooh, that hurts, hey, if we're all responsible for each other. The kingdom, the yoke that Jesus has called us to is one that can only really be completed together in community. We don't need any more secret mushroom Christians, okay? We need more Christians who understand the equality of the kingdom that Jesus Christ himself promoted. The kingdom itself is a society, a society where living out the Jesus creed actually transforms life and life around us. But number two, as it says on your outline, the Jesus creed is a society of mustard seeds. Society of mustard seeds. In Matthew 13, 31, Jesus shares a parable about a mustard seed. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field, though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds can come and perch on its branches. Isn't it interesting that Jesus decides to describe the kingdom as the most unassuming of all things? A mustard seed? I mean, I brought one here for you today in my pocket. Can you see it? When we think of God's grand and heavenly kingdom, the last thing we think about is being, being described as a tiny seed. 
when we think of the kingdom coming, when we think of the vast paradise with gold roads and everyone wearing crowns adorned with jewels, we don't think of a mustard seed, but Jesus turned it on his head. As we talked about earlier, the kingdom is now and it's being lived out by the society of transformation in the everyday. Why did Jesus compare the kingdom to a silly old mustard seed? For him, the kingdom is about the ordinariness of loving God and loving others. Instead of focusing on the majestic, Jesus actually highlights the mundane. The kingdom of God, as Scott McKnight says, is the transforming presence of God in ordinary humans who live it out. We as the local church, as the local church, we are actually a gathering of mustard seeds. And Jesus isn't looking for a magnificent toasty coconut, okay? He's not looking for a tall pine. He's looking for little mustard seeds. I love a toasty coconut, though. He's looking for ordinary people to do extraordinary things through him. And God is more interested in availability over aesthetic. God is interested in availability, not how you look or what you think you have to offer. That leads us to number three. We are a society for justice. We are a society for justice. Being a part of the society of the Jesus Creed means that we live differently on a day-to-day basis. We talked about that already. We've been transformed by the love of Christ and we realize the kingdom of Jesus is a society but not a nest or a cave that we hide in. Our society of mustard seeds is actually called to uphold justice together. And social justice recently has been something of quite a fad, hasn't it? Keyboard warriors, you've probably heard, Facebook, you always know someone's complaining about something. And for me to be socially just, I must respond to them with a very long and scathing comment, right? How about changing our profile pictures on Facebook to uh, overlay a flag over top of my picture? That's social justice today, right? Pray for, pray for, Paris, right? Not saying these things are wrong, okay? Buying a pair of Tom's shoes. This is going to be weird, but I have this pair of shoes, okay? I did just take off my shoe in front of you all. I'm sorry. (laughs) But when you buy a pair of Tom's shoes, they promise that they will give a pair of shoes to someone in need in a third world country. And for millennials, especially today, Social justice is me buying this cool-looking shoe. It's tough, isn't it? Don't get me wrong. Let me put on my shoe. It's great to be a part of something greater. It's good to support causes and give alms, but what does social justice look like on a daily basis? And most of the examples I gave were silly, but we are actually called to live differently than the world lives In terms of the Jesus creed and social justice in the kingdom, some believe that there is actually two different camps. Some believe that if we love others too much, we might actually forget about loving God. Okay? And on the other side, some worry that those who love God too much may forget to love others. We know that the world lacks a sense of peaceful justice, but it's our duty as Christians to do both 
It's our duty as Christians to live out the Jesus Creed, to pursue kingdom justice, not just adhere to a fad like buying shoes. What is kingdom justice, you may be asking me? Well, we use the term justice so often, don't we? When someone is heinously murdered, we what? We need or require justice. When politicians are crooked, we scream for justice. When the Starbucks barista forgets to put the extra espresso shots into our 185-degree venti quad, no, no foam, no room, three pumps hazelnut chai tea latte, we cry for what? Justice. you got to make my drink right, lady. In our society today, justice has become just a term for retribution, recrimination, punishment, restoring just the natural order of things. That's justice in our society today. But in the kingdom of God, justice actually concerns restoration, restoring humans to God and to others. This week I read a story about a group of teenagers in Florida who were actually taunting a man who was drowning in a lake. Now I don't suggest you go watch that video, but it's heartbreaking. They curse at him, they yell at him, all the while he is drowning when each one of them could have went out to save him. Justice doesn't stand idly by in the world today. Justice isn't actually an expression of the Jesus Creed for us to actually love God and love others. And sometimes it means that we have to go beyond and step aside from what society would require of us. Because we aren't driven by society's need for justice. We're encouraged and empowered by Jesus' love for the world. Justice, Jesus' view of justice is actually revealed in some of his inaugural statements. In Luke 4, 18-19, Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. See, Jesus speaks of justice, and that's a justice that's motivated by God's love for others. The poor will get good news. The prisoners will receive freedom the blind sight, those who are oppressed will be released. So I ask you today, how does Jesus-style justice challenge your current situation today? Maybe write that question down. How does Jesus-style justice challenge your current situation? What does justice look like when your neighbor throws his extra garbage into your garbage can? What does it look like when someone cuts you off or rear-ends you in traffic? What does Jesus-style justice look like? What does justice look like when someone steals your wallet? What does justice look like for the poor, the elderly, the thirsty, the estranged, and the sick in your life? What is our response to justice? What is Christ's love compelling us to do in all of these terrible situations? I can tell you, I can tell you, it's not retribution, it's restoration. Ultimately, it's up to us to perpetuate acts of love. Now, in 2 Corinthians 5, 16 to 21, it says this, From now on, we, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. 
Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. If you have your Bible out, can you underline that today? He has committed us to the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. I don't need to say much more than that. Come on. We are Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. As Christians, we are committed to a ministry and mission of reconciliation. But Chris, it's too hard. But Chris, these people don't deserve it. Chris, these people aren't even Christians and they hurt me. But Chris, the Jesus Creed calls us to love God and to love others. And loving others means that we seek to restore humans to God and to one another. This kind of justice is an expression of Christian love. All right, time's getting away. We are a society of restoration, number four. Along with being committed to justice, we are a society of restoration. We read the New Testament and we see that Jesus actually used his power to bring about reconciliation on the earth. And one of the ways he did this was through miracles. And if you were around in Jesus' time, you know that classification or classifying people was a strong deciding factor of your place in society. I still believe that there's a similar proclivity to our society today by classifying people. But back then, there were several different types, even of priests. The high priest, the chief priest, the regular old priest, and the Levites. Even other Jews were classified. There were observant Jews, non-observant, Sadiq, Essene, Pharisee, Sadducee, Zealot. Females and males were strongly distinguished. Clean and unclean, the list goes on and on. People were categorized. But as we mentioned in the last section, Jesus came to bring justice, to bring restoration that actually transcends class, transcends race and gender. Realize this morning that Religious culture back then actually led people to believe that placing people in classes was one of the ways that people expressed their love and devotion to God. Of course I'm better than you. I love God more. Think of the woman who had the problem of bleeding in Mark chapter 5. 25 to 34. A woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body she was freed from her suffering. Come on. At once, Jesus realized the power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see, the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her daughter, your faith 
has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. I love that story. In this story, we see that regardless of this woman's class, regardless of her gender, he used the power of a miracle to restore her. Before her encounter with Jesus, she actually wasn't even able to live among the religious culture without being an outcast, an outsider. Before her encounter with Jesus, her relationships weren't normal. She wasn't able to be married. She was a social and religious outcast, a pariah. Some people actually believe that her condition was a sign that she was being divinely disciplined. But what does Jesus do when she grabs that hem of, her gar- of his garment? He steps into her situation. He sidesteps the stigmas about her and he restores her through a divine miracle. Jesus takes the most unpure person and actually reclassifies her and puts her into the center of society. Everyone saw what happened and nobody could deny it. As we stated before, the kingdom of God is the society in which the Jesus creed transforms life. And one way to transform life is to restore humans to God and others by performing miracles. We are called to bring restoration to people by introducing them to the power of the Holy Spirit that is available to each one of us. Think about that. Number five, finally, a society with perspective. We are a society with perspective. If we're a society of the Jesus Creed, what drives us? What is our perspective in life? As Scott McKnight argues in the Jesus Creed, our view of heaven actually shapes our perspective on the earth, on life. We have many differing views of what heaven will look like. Will it be endless, continual worship of God? Some people believe that. This view of heaven probably appeals mostly to the theologian or the mystic, those who love solitude. Their heaven is very heavenly, okay? Yet for others, heaven may look like a glorified world, a society perfected. Everyone will have a glorious eternal vocation of service in this perfect society. And this kind of heaven appeals to the interpersonal kind of person, doesn't it? The outgoing, those who like the big city life. Their heaven is a very earthly view of heaven. Ultimately, we don't know. Do we even have to choose? Can it be both and? We don't know. How about the timeline of events leading up to heaven? Okay, we, we have five minutes left. I don't know if we can get into that, can we? We know that before we enter heaven, Jesus spoke of judgment. Each one of us will stand to account for the life we have lived, okay? We can talk about the resurrection. When will we, when will we be transformed to the eternal fellowship with God? There's lots of speculation about rapture and tribulation, the second coming of Christ, the millennial, the millennium, final judgment in heaven. But while we differ on these specific events, there is far less debate on what happens next. The fellowship that we get to partake in with God and others in heaven. If the present kingdom right now is imperfectly shaped by the Jesus Creed, loving God and loving others, then surely the final kingdom will be perfectly shaped and molded by the Jesus Creed. What we need to focus on, though, for the purpose of today is that our expectation of eternal fellowship with God shapes our perspective on how we live now. For Christians, our perspective isn't that death is the end 
Really, death is just the what? The beginning, come on. And the end, the glorious fellowship with God has the ability to shape our everyday lives. For, for me, it gives me incentive to share. It gives me urgency in view of eternity. We know that this side of life is the short one, right? I want to see my family, my friends, the people I love, even people I don't know, come to the table and have forever fellowship with God. That transforms the way I see the earth and the way I live my day-to-day life. There's two sides to having an eternal perspective. If we believe that the end is truly the beginning and eternity is about eternal communion with God, then we can prepare ourselves for eternity by learning to fellowship with God now. Don't miss out on what God has to offer us. Secondly, it encourages us to live out the kingdom society now. Living as Christ lived should be a regular occurrence for us, shouldn't it? Bringing the eternal ever close to the world today, our society is supposed to be a foretaste of what's to come. The society of the Jesus Creed. We are a foretaste of what heaven has to offer. In the end, we know that the Jesus Creed itself is about loving God and loving others. We are a society of mustard seeds living out the call that Jesus has for us to love. So I challenge you today, as a society of the Jesus Creed, as a fellowship of believers, what are we doing in our world today to bring justice? What are we doing in the world today to show love and mercy and kindness and peace and forgiveness and grace and acceptance? So I challenge you, check yourself today and ask yourself, how am I bringing the kingdom values into the earthly society today? Can I ask you to stand with me today? Is that okay? I know you're going to leave in a moment anyways. Why don't you stand with me? Can we recite the Lord's Prayer today? It will remind us of the kingdom of God. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace today. God bless you all. Thank you.